Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Thursday night briefing. Another fantastic briefing is in store. You will love it. Let me get onto it while people are arriving. First of all, just do the honors here. Uh, it is Thursday, the 29th, briefing number 121. Uh, so we're um, well into the two years and more uh, and counting. This has kind of become a regular thing and it's great because it allows us to really um, kind of have a publication date each Thursday. It's very productive. So of course, as you know, puedes escuchar en español and there's a globe symbol at the bottom of your dialogue and you can simply hear Spanish. It's kind of cool. It's being recorded in both languages. Well, of course, um, the wonderful Heather is speaking Spanish and I understand that she understands me all too well, which is a good thing. All right. <clears throat> anyway, we got um, the usual safe harbor statement with the um, uh, fact that that you know we're we have to make forward-looking statements, but um, they are the best we can make, and there are risks and uncertainties that we try and spell out. And of course, we always correct ourselves when we figure out that it was not right. So that's what we. That's our undertaking to you. Okay, so first of all, I wanted to cover, whoa, major commercial news. As you know, uh, Modular Water Systems scored sales of over a million dollars in the first half. And that is more, uh, much more than the entire year for that division last year. Um, Progressive Water Treatment has 28 projects simultaneously in the shop right now. I think it's 28, perhaps 27. And they scored sales of 1.6 million in the first half. Uh, with Modular Water, that's 2.6 million or more than 5 million annually. Now remember, these are orders. They're not revenue. It takes much longer for orders to become revenue. I'll show you that in a second. Now, we also received an authorization for expenditure from major power utility just today for projects totaling about $5 million, which is mind bending because we were competing with major major water companies. So that's huge. Um, and POs are expected next month. I'll let you know more. Uh, probably I'll cover in more detail next Thursday, uh, the first Thursday of August. In other words, our core business is on fire. Even while we're developing the whole, uh, you know, water on demand, design, build, own, operate, um, which by the way, we won't have an, um, an, a report on tonight because Dan Early is on, va on vacation, but it's um, even while we're building this new uh, capital-based pay per gallon model that's so modern, our existing business is doing great. So it's, I'm so proud of the team. Um, now I wanted to show you what I mean by time. This is a typical um, milestone payment schedule. We can only count the revenue when each milestone is made. Now, it's odd, but you don't actually have to have collected it. Let's say that we've gotten, and by the way, PNID means piping and instrumentation diagram. Let's say you get, you deliver the PID mechanical and electrical drawings, you get to book that 10%, even if you are not paid that it becomes a receivable. But this is how a recognized revenue works. Each milestone is recognized revenue. So that's a typical schedule. It gives you an idea. Now for a large project like the one I was just talking about, easily a year, you know, $5 million project, 
no question about that. So just to give you a sense of how it works and how we kind of have to keep adding on in the back because the front is so slow and it, you know, the pipeline fills from the back, shall we say. Okay, now, and finally, I wanted to mention real fast that the quarterly filing is about to happen. I've seen the final draft um, and we are circulating into the board. So I can't say it will be tomorrow, but it will be very, very soon. So stay tuned on that. I thank you for being patient. We, um, our CFO Prasad Tare has been in there streamlining things like you wouldn't believe. He's found all kinds of inefficiencies. Uh, Eric Sandler, our controller, John Peraza, our head of administration have done their best, but frankly, they got overwhelmed and uh, the administrative systems were not in place. Stupid, but true. And that's what we have a CFO for now. I do believe the second quarter filing, which is due, um, uh, I believe uh, the 19th of August with, uh, with the normal extension should be on schedule, if not very closely on schedule. So um, we are getting better and better as this goes along. Okay, that covers uh, what's going on. And like I say, the business is doing well. We're improving our processes and we're doing all kinds of new stuff. Now I want to, um, I'm gonna now focus a little bit on what's going on with, um, you know, we've talked about inflation before. Now, why is inflation important to us? It has to do with the money to get stuff done. It also has to do with crypto as I'll show you in a bit. So um, there is a very good uh, goldsilver.com video which uh, you just you can Google is higher inflation, temporary structural, and you'll see that video. But I'm going to play a short um, excerpt from it to kind of make the point that I'm trying to make here. And one second, I have uh, I have a uh... <laughs> GRW. I love it already. Greeting everyone. Thanks for the information and entertainment. We do our best to entertain and also inform. All right. So um, I'm going to reshare, but in video mode so that you can catch this. This is a grab that I did from the YouTube. So you don't have to look at the whole thing. So um, I think now, um, as we're seeing um, the economy kind of weakening, uh, at least for most of the uh, most of the indicators that we watch, um, I think at some point we will see um, even more aggressive fiscal policy. I think that that uh, big government is back, not only in the U.S. but all over the world. I think people are accepting now that um, politicians um, want or, or try to um, fine tune the economic cycle. Um, this is well accepted. And I think therefore there will be more packages, more, more fiscal packages for infrastructure, for uh, a greener economy, for um, um, education, whatever. So, so I think this is really... Um, here to stay, and I think the market will still be surprised by the aggressiveness of fiscal policy that will be ahead. Yeah, uh, for our viewers, the difference between you know some people haven't really uh, gotten the difference between monetary and fiscal policy. Monetary policy is set by all of the world's central banks, 
And it's basically how much currency is there going to be and what is the cost of that currency, the interest rate. That's monetary policy. Fiscal policy is what the government does. Are we going to do a bunch of deficit spending? Are we going to take on a bunch more debt? Uh, are we going to pass this bill for roads and this bill for bridges and this bill for schools and this bill for aid to the, uh, you know, uh, you know, stimulus checks? All of, That's all fiscal policy. And Ronnie, um, was it, <clears throat> I believe that uh, Chairman Powell uh, made a statement or uh, wrote, I can't remember, uh, saying that the government needs to spend as much as possible, right? You know, spend all you want, the Federal Reserve will support it. Didn't he yes. uh, put something like that in, either in writing or in a speech? Yes, yes. Yeah, and, and, and that's like, there's gonna be inflation. <laughs> that's what he's saying. And, and, and he said in, I think it was in two, 2018, um, and I think this was really one of the most profound statements that any Fed chairman ever made. He, he said, we would like to smooth out the wild swings of past economic cycles by fine-tuning monetary policy. So, so I think, you know, it is, there, there is no discussion going on um, how much the Federal Reserve should influence markets. I think they, they, they see it as their job, basically, to, to micromanage the economy and, and the inflation and especially financial markets. And, and I think, you know, everybody is talking about uh, tapering now and the Fed um, going on a more, more hawkish path, although I, I don't really see that. Um, but I think, you know, we should not forget that probably the, the most important, um, let's say, invisible voting member in the FOMC is the stock market. So everybody thinks that, okay, at some point we will see some tapering. It will be announced at the Jackson Hole meeting probably. Um, we will see uh, rising interest rates end of 2022 or perhaps slightly later. but as soon as we see some volatility in equity markets, as soon as we see the S&P being down five or 10%, they will of course become more hawkish, uh, more dovish again. And they will say, well, you know, we will, we will continue being on this uh, accommodative path. And, 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 and therefore I think, you know, actually the, the, the Fed is, I would say the, the Federal Reserve is trapped um, they're, they're being basic, basically slaves to the bubbles that they blow and there is no way out. And everybody who thought, okay, Jay Powell is, is different because he's not an economist. He's not an academic. Um, I think we, we learned over the last couple of months that that is just more of the same and that, um, that we shouldn't expect, um, uh, anything new coming out of the Federal Reserve. Right. And he's definitely taking a page right out of the Ben Bernanke playbook. <laughs> Whenever anything happens, the solution is create currency. I want to thank you so much uh, for the, the time that you've given me. And this uh, interview is going to be continued. There we are. So that it basically says there's not going to be uh, every time that they try to push interest up, they get They'll, they'll get pushed back from the stock market and it won't happen. Uh, Keith threw it in. Riggs, is there any chance that you might run for president of the United States in 2022? 
no. First of all, that's an off year. So that would be like, forget about it. But <laughs> uh, let me see. And then, um, but thank you. Um, wait a minute. Okay, Robert, Robert, Robert. Um, okay. Okay, you... All right, uh, Robert's concerned about tradability of shares and that's entirely related to our filings. Um, and all we need to do is get current. So um, I covered it earlier, earlier in this call, but um, please, please uh, send a message to invest at originclear.com. We'll be happy to answer your questions and, and help you out. Um, and as if you're an accredited investor, we can also do things about your cost basis. All right, so with ha having said that, I'm gonna move on to, um, there we go. And this is now back to regular non-video. And this is a very interesting um, tweet storm that I thought could be helpful because it leads to, you know, what is, how does inflation relate to crypto, monetary climate and so forth. So I'm gonna flip through these, these slides really fast um, for this, this tweet storm. Okay, so um, this King Bingo, at, at King Bingo underscore is a UK uh, tweet, Twitter, Twitterer. And um, he, I'm not gonna get political about this, but you, know, you wanna know why the elites have destroyed your lives, well, there's a story in the Daily Mail um, which talks about this gentleman who's the Chancellor of the Exchequer, which is the uh, basically like the Secretary of the Treasury. And he wants to replace our cash, British cash, with official digital currency. Okay, so what does that mean? Of course, in the last video, we were listening to how, um, you know, uh, um, the, uh, the Fed chairman wants to smooth out the boom and bust. Well, that was tried with Gordon Brown. It does not really work. Um, and each time we have a boom and bust, we come out of it with lower sustainable interest rates. We don't seem to ever get out of that. Um, of course, 8% on a regular bank street account, a high street bank account. High street means like, like, like Park Avenue, top level. Um, and uh, Ray Dalio has a great um, video about this. I won't get into it, but uh, it's basically a one-way process. Now, um, 2008 took us to the end of the road in terms of inflation rates. And I love the inflation rates. I just did a mortgage and I'm like, I don't mind right now. Um, but here's what uh, this K-Bingo guy says in average age of a fiat currency. Fiat means it's Latin for let it be so. And that's a... a um, paper currency. He says it's only 20, 27 years. Now, um, the decimalized GFP, what is, what is decimalized? Well, um, basically the pound used to be 20 shillings or 240 pennies. It was decimalized, meaning it was turned into, um, uh, you know, um, a pounds and P, um, 100 P per pound. And uh, that's where it is today. Interestingly enough, the decimalization occurred in 71 what, which also was when the US dollar was taken off the gold standard. So these quote unquote reforms probably weakened these currencies. All right, now, obvious alternative, electronic money, that's the obvious thing. The problem is, is that the current standard, Bitcoin is not under anybody's control, let alone yours and mine. 
So what does it mean? Well, they'd like to create a central bank digital currency. Um, and we don't have a kind of national ID system anywhere really. Um, and so how can we do that CBDC? That's the real question. Can't lower the interest rates, print more money. And of course the money printing has become absurd. There it is, um, M1, the, uh, the, the number one measure of money uh, in circulation has surged unbelievably since 2008. No end in sight. That's just, that's just until, you saw that, it's only until like 2014. It's gone way beyond that since, but unfortunately they've stopped tracking it. So uh, for good reasons. So they can't allow the stock market to collapse. Why? And here's a reason you don't hear very much. Most of the taxes are paid by the 5%. 60% of all taxes are paid by 5%. The bottom 50% pays, you know, um, about 2% of the taxes. So, you know, the people who are at the high end live off the of stocks, stocks crash, you know what happens. So not a good picture. So if the stock market collapses, so do taxes. But Frankly, the government doesn't need taxes. They just print money, but that's a separate separate story. Now, you can only prop up the money, the market with printed money for so long. And this, they believed, um, according to K. Bingo, that the next big collapse was going to be their comeuppance, comeuppance, their well-deserved uh, karma. So, what's the transition? Logically, it's Bitcoin. Unfortunately, it's stateless, meaning that it. Nobody can control it. The Chinese figured it out, but they have an existing national ID system and um, it's completely controlled. So they have to have either a digital ID system and then a CBDC. Now, problem number one, you know, that people are claiming that there's going to be a digital ID system coming out of all this, this COVID stuff, whatever. But he's not relying on that happening. I'll show you. Is it too late? Well, here's what's, what's going on here. It's moving so fast that strangely enough, um, the, uh, it's actually, Bitcoin is actually the plan B for Western governments. And I'll show you why. So China's way ahead, banned Bitcoin because, hey, they're, they're set. I don't think they really can, but it makes it very hard for the Chinese to trade Bitcoin. And now they have a, a huge amount of gold, all that stuff. So China isn't, you know, well prepared because they're centrally controlled. And um, they've been waiting to get to the end of where US dollar um, fades away. And it's lasted much longer than they expected. Uh, digital money um, is, you know, their plan is to smash the dominance of the US dollar. And Western elites, this is a very important slide. They want their own CBDC, but they will take the stateless Bitcoin if the only alternative is a China digital yuan as the new global reserve currency. This is why China has banned Bitcoin, but the West don't dare yet. It's their plan B. I think that's a very smart statement, by the way. So where are we going with this? Two, two futures. One is uh, freedom. The other one is Chinese style social credit and CBDC in the West as well. Or we could have somewhere in the middle, which is also, I think, the most likely. But existing money system falling apart, West not ready, and so we get this big clash. All right, now, um, according to K. Bingo, if you want to be free, simply you need to slow them down long enough. And here's his thought about, and he says, good luck. So 
I, this is it's an interesting time, but in the, in the future, uh, with the CBDC, future Bitcoin won't be worth much at all, but in the freedom future, it could be worth something like $14 million each. My personal opinion, it'll be somewhere in the middle again. I don't think we'll have a full-on social credit system, and I don't think we'll have a full-on Bitcoin system. I think we'll be somewhere in the middle. But it does say that cryptocurrency is emerging as the real game, um, as literally um, a major pillar of our future economy. Now, what do consumers say about all this? Turns out that consumers facing inflation, and as this is a nationalreview.com um, June article, as the specter of inflation looms, consumer consider cryptocurrency. There's the link at the bottom. And so what we have is we have a situation where the um, uh, consumers who, frankly, you know, most consumers were not into crypto. It was a millennial thing and so forth. Well, that's changing. Why? Well, great volatility surrounding uh, cryptocurrency, which actually right now is attractive. People like that, uh, that something could go up or down 30, 30%. Um, and they actually consider crypto less risky, many do, than the US Treasury. Um, we see, see that problem in Venezuela. But he, the writer goes into all the reasons why, lack of ties to world economies, et cetera, security, these are all reasons, and this is why cryptocurrencies have done well. Okay, um, now demographics are centered mainly around millennials, but 18 to 34, but it's, I, th I believe it's, it's broadening. We're, Ken and I are, are noticing, talking to investors who have an opportunity to get um, allocations of, of our crypto in the future, um, that they, they, they're getting it. You know, older investors are getting it. Crypto's finite supply is also very attractive. Okay, so what is our solution? And that is where I'm gonna play again, um, a video that we just created. And so uh, let me just check uh, chats here. All right, I'm glad I was able to help you, uh, Robert. Okay, so here we go. Um, I'm going to turn you on to the, this video that we made um, with the excellent help of the man with too many cameras, Stephen Eckleberry. At the end of the day, water is what we care about, all of us. We better care about it because without water, three days later, you're dead. A lot of water is dirty, creating illnesses, viruses, long-term chronic illness, you name it. So we need to be, all of us, working in water, not just a select few. And many, many people feel that way. I get constant emails from people saying, what can you do about water? How can you do things for Flint, Michigan, all these things, right? That is the mission of all of us, is to do something about water. Well, we've come up with an idea to involve everybody and to empower everybody. And it uses this cool new thing called cryptocurrency. Why cryptocurrency? Because crypto has no boundaries. If you have a cryptocurrency network, a grandmother in Korea could have an effect on a mobile home park in Alabama. No boundaries, frictionless, and it really means that everyone could get involved. So what are we talking about here? We are looking at a basic community coin, a water coin that we've called Clear Aqua. People like you and me 
will notice problems and go, wow, we gotta do something about that trailer park in Alabama, right? Let's do something about that. Clear Aqua is a representative democracy. You don't want the entire planet to be speaking, kind of overwhelming the system. So there's a very good way that certain very successful cryptos have already adopted, which is a delegate system. These are called delegates or witnesses, and what these people do is just like the US Congress or the British Parliament, these people represent the membership. And now these delegates, these what we call witnesses, take these concerns and work with the governing body to create proposals. Now, at the same time, you need the money. So where does the money come from? There's a second coin we call dollar H2O. Now that coin is a purely investment coin. Accredited investors, meaning people who meet a certain threshold of wealth, invest in this coin that then gets put into these water projects that get delivered. These water projects make money and they return dividends to the same investors in the form of a coin that is really pure money. It is a, an investment grade token, and that's the other side of it. So we have a two token universe. So on one hand, the water coin for the world, everybody you know, plays with Clear Aqua, and it's, it's a consensus coin, and it, it, it lets people do something about the state of the water in the world. And then on the other side, the capital for it, which is really unlimited. And in the middle of it, you have the governing body, which is a trustee to make sure it's all done right. Now this governing body is an interesting thing. It is there to be the trustee for all these projects and it also licenses some of the best technology so that it can in turn make it available for the use of many water companies. So it's not just one water company that's got the dominant thing. Remember, we're talking about the entire planet here. There is no way that one company or even 20 is gonna change a trillion dollar water industry in any meaningful way unless we widely spread the burden, the help, the resources, the investment. So all these things add up to where we're dramatically improving the state of the water by helping businesses cut the cord and doing their own water treatment. I strongly believe in this, many, many people do, and I'd like you to join us too. Thank you. So there we are with, um, I think, a, a pretty, a pretty uh, we've been working super hard to flesh this out. And as you can see, this is our, our first, um, you're, you're literally, this is your scoop. You are the first people seeing this new vision as we develop it. And um, a lot of people are working hard on this and um, I'm super excited. Now, as you can tell though, this is not what we're focusing on 100%, right? In fact, the crypto is a small project that's in my office. Why? Because the main company is busy building systems, those 28 projects of progressive water, the booming deals, uh, the developing of water on demand, the building capital for that, philanthropic investors helping us out to bring in these large investors. Um, all these things are the major job that we're doing for ourselves. This crypto thing is a project happening on the sideline with spare bandwidth that is, we think, going to make a difference in the months to come.
but it is not, as I pointed out in the disclaimer there, it is not strategic. It's not something we have to have to succeed. But I personally think it's very, very promising. Okay, so with having said that, um, there are a couple of ways you can participate in doing so. You can help develop on demand and the crypto, by the way. And um, this has excellent uh, up to four times leverage, et cetera. And um, there's a way that you can also get involved with some crypto, uh, future crypto allocations. Um, it's very, very tentative right now, but you should certainly talk to uh, Ken Berenger about this. Series V is the one where it's um, secured by um, actually by the shares in the subsidiary water on demand. We worked it all out, it's very strong. And um, these, these investors, it's a million dollar um, requirement, get leverage, but they also get um, a good deal of security and 25% of the net profits. So it, it really adds up. Get your personal briefing. Uh, Ken is on vacation um, this week, but he, he will be in next week. And um, I'm trying to make, keep him from showing up. He showed up in tonight's briefing. He's not supposed to. So <laughs> he's supposed to be chilling out, taking care of his family. Anyway, so um, next week, we're going to be covering the this new business that I told you about. Uh, if, if, if we do get the POs as I expect, I'll be able to speak to, about it more specifically, give you some, some maybe Tom will come on and explain it all. And we'll also give you updates about the um, design, build, own, operate stuff, which is the paper gallon, which is what we're funding. They're very exciting. So we're layering on the basic business is booming. We got the new stuff happening, being funded. And in background, we have this exciting crypto stuff. So um, with that, it's been relatively short, but um, Ivan is pointing out that um, you can become an ambassador for philanthropic investors. What does that mean? Um, Philanthropic Investors is a network of, I believe, 19 countries, mostly in South America, but elsewhere as well. And they are happy to make you a water philanthropic investor ambassador. And what that means is that you will be able to um, spread the word and philanthropic investors does a great job of educating people and bringing them in and you can help water in the world with your time. This is separate from this whole crypto thing. This is our own world with our own paper gallon systems that we're building and so forth, which I believe is gonna turn us into a big success all by itself. And Philanthropic Investors is extending that out into almost 20 countries. We're very, very appreciative of that. Thank you, Ivan, for bringing that up. Um, we think we have a amazing, just an amazing relationship here. Uh, with the strategic partner and it's done a lot of good for us. So thank you. I'm going to uh, tune out now. Thank you for coming. It's been wonderful. Next week, we'll uh, zero in on some of the basic businesses taking off. So good night. Enjoy your weekend and try to relax. Mm -hmm.